Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Joe Hill, labor icon and songwriter for the Industrial Workers of the World, or Wobblies, was executed by a Utah firing squad in November of 1915 after being convicted of two murders in a controversial trial. To commemorate the centenary of Hill's death, folk musician and labor activist John McCutcheon is releasing a new album. It's called Joe Hill's Last Will. This in turn grew out of a one-man play of the same name written by activist and musician Cy Khan. McCutcheon starred in the play in 2011 in a production in California. He'll be touring with it this year. He funded the recording of this album with a Kickstarter campaign. He says no one's ever done a fully realized album of Joe Hill's music. It's important music. Joe Hill's an important figure in American history. And McCutcheon dedicated the album to the late folk musician Bruce Utah Phillips, by the way. We're going to hear Joe Hill's songs performed by John McCutcheon. We'll talk with John McCutcheon and Cy Khan. John McCutcheon, welcome to the program. Thanks a lot, Tom. It's great to be here. We uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Cy Khan, welcome to the program. Great to be back in Utah. It's, uh, it's great to have you on. Uh, so I, I want to... Uh, at the beginning here, play just a, a bit of a, a song, not by Joe Hill, but about Joe Hill. And I believe we have a recording with, uh, with John McCutcheon uh, singing this. I've been familiar with the Paul Robeson recording, and, and I believe Joan Baez uh, sang this at uh, Woodstock. This is how some people be familiar with, with uh, Joe Hill. Let's hear a bit of this. I dreamed I saw Joe Hill last night Alive as you are me Says I but Joe you're ten years dead I never died says he I never died says he But the copper bosses they killed you, Joe. They shot you, Joe, says I. It takes more than guns to kill a man, says Joe. I didn't die, says Joe. I didn't die. Standing there as big as life, Smiling with his eyes Says Joe What they could never kill Went on to organize Went on to organize From San Diego Up to Maine Every mile so that is the song, Joe Hill, performed there by uh, John McCutcheon. I believe, John McCutcheon, you, you wanted to do this, this album uh, to, to make Joe Hill more widely known. That was one of the purposes. It is. He is one of the many people um, in our history that uh, played an important part, uh, not only for working people, but for, for people like Cy and I, people who are who are musicians who, who um, are thinking about our work in, in ways that don't only involve compensation and aggrandizement. Uh, Joe Hill was a guy who never once in his life did a gig. I mean, he never made a recording. He didn't do any of the things that musicians and artists today consider de rigueur for as part of our work, uh, his whole purpose was to write songs that could be used and could be useful. Um, and I thought in, the, in an age when American Idol is most Americans' entree to what the music business is about, um, that having someone who um, had a very different approach, I mean, that's just from the artistic standpoint, not only. Mm. Then there's the whole issue of what he was singing about and who he was uh, writing for. Right. Saikon, I wonder, what did, uh, making this play, putting in a bunch of the songs in it, and uh, what was your purpose behind that? Well, it was as much as anything a gift to my wonderful best male friend, John McCutcheon. John, I don't know, maybe 15 years came to me and said, you know, Sai, we've written you know hundreds of songs together. You know, I think we wrote most of six 
Grammy finalists albums that John recorded. And John said, you know, I think I'd like to do a one-man show, more of a dramatic piece, more of a theatrical piece. He had a wonderful idea, Tom, which was to do it about the Davidson Wilder strike. This isn't a widely known strike, but the characters in it, the positioning in time and in the country, it's a great idea. So I said, great, let's set a date where we can sit down and start writing. So I said, well, you know, this year's really crowded. Let's look at next year. So every year in November, when I was making up my schedule for the next year, I'd get to Johnny's day. Oh, wow, you know, I'm going to Australia. I've got a new recording coming out. I'm doing a storytelling series. Let's look at the year after. And I finally decided, after half a dozen years, eight years, ten years, I thought, he's never going to have the time to do this. He's too popular. He tours too heavily. He's you know out there on, on picket lines and raising money for good causes. He's writing books about adoption and about the great peace Christmas truce in, in World War I. So I just thought, well, I'm just going to have to sit down and do it myself. So that's what I did. I uh, wrote the musical and wrapped it, printed it out, wrapped it up in holiday paper, put a bow on it, and sent it to John. Hmm. John McCutcheon, this all worked out because you're, you're able to release this album on the 100th anniversary of, of the death of Joe Hill. And, and it's really um, something that it, it became a product of the play. Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, you know, we, I, I, I have to admit, when I opened up that package, it was not the play I expected. <laughs> we had been talking about this entirely different thing. And he says, I've got it all, you know, here's, here's my first draft. And I thought, wait a minute, this isn't. And then I started looking ahead and thinking, well, we do have an important milestone coming up in the 100th anniversary of his death, which seems to follow on the 100th birthday of Woody Guthrie, uh, the 100th anniversary of the Christmas truce, the 100th anniversary of the writing of Solidarity Forever, the 100th anniversary of the Ludlow Massacre out in southern Colorado. And all these centenaries seem to line up and, and in fact, in some way point to Joe Hill as a really central and definitive figure um, you know, when I was learning to play the guitar, um, the only book in our local library that had guitar chords was a book called Woody Guthrie Folk Songs. I didn't know who Woody Guthrie was, but I just started learning these songs because it was you know, a free way to learn to play the guitar. And I realized quickly he was using old melodies to write new stories. And I really thought he made it all up. And then I discovered Joe Hill and I thought, oh, it was Joe Hill who showed all these people how to do this, a, 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 a thing that was subsequently followed by um, people like Utah Phillips, by um, Lead Belly, by Bob Dylan, uh, very prominently, um, and the entire civil rights movement's music followed this model of taking older songs, in that case mostly hymns, and uh, writing new words. And sometimes it was simply changing the pronouns. I mean, I will overcome someday became I, we shall overcome. Um, and, it, and, you know, you go back to what's the root of this tree, and it was Joe Hill. Hmm. Let's, uh, uh, we're going to hear shortly uh, some songs uh, by Joe Hill as performed by uh, John McCutcheon. The, the album is Joe Hill's Last Will. It's based on a play of the same name, Joe Hill's uh, Last Will. By the way, John McCutcheon will be uh, performing this one-man play uh, for some performances this, this summer, along with uh, other uh, pieces of his tour. Uh, I want to uh, back up and uh, just to get a brief bio of, uh, of Joe Hill. So he's, he's born Joel Emanuel Hegland in Sweden, uh, I wonder, uh, Saikon, what what brought him to America? Was it the American dream, needing work? What uh, what, what drew him? Tom, Tom, it was what brings, what brought my grandparents to America. It's what brings people to America today. It was the hope of a better life, of, of employment. He was from a, a desperately poor family in Sweden. Sweden was a remarkably poor country at the time. He did come with two advantages that a lot of immigrants don't have or didn't have at that time. One was he was very literate. So he read English, not just literate in Swedish, but he went to the YMCA in his hometown and he learned English very, very fluently. 
The second is he was already a master musician. He, he played the piano, he played the violin, he played the guitar. Again, so he was trained, so he had a particular trade, and these served him well when he got to this country. Now, that's not how he earned a living. He worked on the docks, he may have worked at the copper mines. He was uh, what we call a timber beast, you know, a, a lumberman. And so he worked at every menial, back-breaking job there was. But he did already have a facility in English, and he was a masterful musician. And those things later emerged to allow him to become the Joe Hill that we know today. And by the way, uh, cartoonist as well? He was a cartoonist yeah. as yeah. well. Quite yes. Quite you want to know more cartoonist. about him than I mean, you, and, and we do, uh, Go ahead, uh, John. <laughs> yeah, that, that's all. Well, uh, and... One of the things that, as a songwriter, and um, and uh, I think I can speak for Cy as well, um, one of the things that is amazing about Joe Hill is the playfulness of his language. And this was his second language. I mean, he had a facility with words and puns and humor that uh, many native English speakers never Never find, and that was one of the things that was really unique about him, is that he was able to write the the you know out on the picket line, standing down the cops rally songs, but he was also able to write songs that were tremendously funny to the people for whom he wrote. It, he was a, one of a long line of satirists that helped people understand that the emperor truly does have no clothes. Mm. And to have that kind of facility in a second language is really remarkable. Let's take a break when that we come back. That was good, John. That was really good, buddy. <laughs> good. Uh, like let's let's, uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll hear uh, the first of, we're going to hear three or four songs here as we go along. And uh, when we come back, we'll hear The Preacher and the Slave. I'll have John McCutcheon set that up uh, for us. We're talking about Joe Hill. He's a labor icon. He's, he was songwriter for the Industrial Workers of the World, or Wobblies which was seen at the time as the most radical and most feared of, of the unions. It was, a, as I understand it, a union of immigrants. And so it gets us into immigration. And many of these issues, the wealth disparity and, and, and the whole bit, all, many of these issues are still very relevant today. This album released on May Day. And it's out and available now. John McCutcheon's album, Joe Hill's Last Will. It's the songs of Joe Hill. And it's based on a play of the same name by uh, Cy Khan. John McCutcheon and Cy Khan are with us. More following break. Public radio attracts an audience that is focused on professional attainment. Do you have a product, service, or degree that can further their career growth? Let our listeners know by becoming a UPR program sponsor. For more information, call Terry Guy at 435-797-3215. Congratulations to USU student Cassidy Black for being crowned Miss Rodeo Ogden 2015. As part of her duties, Black will spend the summer making appearances and participating in Western Outdoor Rodeos in the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association and compete in the Miss Rodeo Utah pageant in July. UPR congratulates Cassidy Black for being crowned this year's Miss Rodeo Ogden. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking about Joe Hill, labor icon who was executed by a Utah firing squad in November of 1915 after being convicted of two murders in the Salt Lake City area in a controversial trial. And to commemorate the centenary of Seal Hill's death, folk musician, labor activist John McCutcheon is releasing a new album. It's called Joe Hill's Last Will. It uh, features Joe Hill's songs. That grew in turn out of a one-man play of the same name written by activist and musician Cy Khan. We have John McCutcheon and Cy Khan with us on the phone lines. You're welcome to join us here with your question or comment. Our phone lines are open. Toll-free number is 1-800-826-1495. 1-800-826-1495. Another way you can join us is by email. Our email address is upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. And you can join us on Twitter. We're at Utah Public Radio. So, uh, John McCutcheon, let's let's hear this piece. I wonder if you could set this up for us, The Preacher and the Slave. This was a song that was the first of Joe Hill songs to ever be printed in the Little Red Songbook, which was 
a, uh, a book of song lyrics that was so popular uh, with the industrial workers of the world that um, they would print them up 50,000 at a time. I mean, think about that, 50,000 in one printing. And this is to a group of people who... Um, even by modern standards, are are only semi-literate. You ha- this is mostly out in the West, um, where there was a tremendous number of jobs in uh, building railroads, um, selling timber, um, working in mines. 1908 in uh, Spokane, a lot of the word went out that there was work to be had there, and thousands of men started showing up every week. They would. Um, camp out in what was called Skid Row, which is a common term today, but the the etymology of that word is that this is where uh, this is a place down by a major river where the where the um, logs would come down, and then they would be skidded up to the mill, and that's that trail between the river and the mill was called Skid Row, and this is where th- thousands and thousands of men. Were, were camped out, uh, waiting for work to happen. And the IWW, of course, was interested in organizing these men, and they would come down there, usually groups of them at a time, and sing songs. It was a big singing union. It's, it was the only part of the labor movement in <laughs> labor movement's history, frankly, that placed a whole lot of value on music. Um, but they weren't the only people who were interested in saving these men, as Cy so eloquently wrote in the play. Uh, at the same time, the Salvation Army would come down, and uh, they were famous, uh, especially in Europe, but in the early days in this country, for their brass bands, which was usually three trumpets, two trombones, a snare drum, a tambourine player, and a bass drum. And uh, it doesn't matter how loud you sing and how much you believe in what you sing, uh, that combination is going to drown you out every time. So there was a kind of natural antipathy between these two groups, especially because the Salvation Army bands were generally um, paid by the um, company owners to come down there and compete with the IWW organizations and uh, sing and drives and so on. So Joe Hill, uh, in, in typical satirical form, took one of the pieces of music that they played typically down. I mean, the Salvation Army played in the suite by and by. He rewrote the words, the IWW actually organized a brass band of their own and debuted this song on the picket line uh, down in Skid Row. And uh, I thought, this is the first of Joe Hill songs I ever heard. It's always been done by, you know, Pete Seeger or Woody Guthrie or Utah Phillips or Psycon singing it with a guitar or a banjo, and I thought, you know, maybe it's time to hear what it might sound like with this brass band configuration. So that's the that's the genealogy of the song and the concept behind uh, how I chose to record it. Okay, let's hear this. The Preacher and the Slave. This is a Joe Hill song performed by John McCutcheon. Long-haired preachers come out every night to tell you what's wrong and what's right But when asked about something to eat They will answer with voices so sweet You will eat by and by In that glorious land above the sky Work and pray Live on hay Get pie in the sky when you die. That's a lie. Oh, the starvation army they play. They sing and they clap and they pray. Till they get all your coin on the drum. Then they'll tell you that you're on the bum. By and by, in that glorious land above the sky, work and pray, live on hay, you'll get 
fly in the sky when you die. That's a lie. If you work hard through sorrow and strife, try to get something good in this life. You're a sinner and a bad one, they tell. When you die, you will surely go to hell. Of all countries unite Side by side We for freedom will fight When this world And its wealth we have gained To the grafters We'll sing this refrain You will leave By and by When you've learned How to cook and to fry Chop some So that's The Preacher and the Slave, uh, and that's uh, Joe Hill's uh, words, a uh, song there by, uh, by John McCutcheon. Uh, that, that's, uh, I guess that does give us a flavor, John McCutcheon. It's, it's funny. It's biting. It's satirical. You know, the starvation army, eat hay in this life, uh, pie in the sky when you die. It was, and it was the uh, first introduction of the term pie in the sky, which is... Um, uh, maybe Joe's greatest linguistic uh, contribution to the English language, and that people who have no idea, whoever, where that came from, will frequently talk about pie in the sky. Yeah, uh, Saikon, I wonder uh, is this uh, this typical a, a typical Joe Hill song that would would be kind of satirical and biting like this? Yeah, Tom, he was a master of satire and invective. He pulled no punches, but he understood. If you have a difficult point to make, you can make it most effectively if you frame it as humor. You know, it's sort of like the old expression, you catch more flies with honey than with vigor. Although why someone would want to catch that many flies has always escaped me. So (laughs) what Joe Hill would do is get people laughing. Because he's contending with massive power, as we are today. We are up against powerful, and in many cases, ruthless corporations. So were Joe Hill and the immigrant workers of the Pacific Northwest. And when you're up against people who have power over you, literally power of life and death, over your working conditions, one of the best ways to fight them is to make fun of them, to ridicule them. Because it's very difficult for power to respond to humor. And that was one of the things that Joe Hill was so skilled at. And if I may say, I think it's something that John McCutcheon is extraordinarily skilled at. Hmm. So many of John's songs over this extraordinary career that spans, what, 30 sub albums I lost count years ago. John could be unbelievably funny, and he could take a critical situation, a heartbreaking situation, a situation that sort of challenges our ability to imagine, and he could turn it into extremely fine humor. And and this is not just a question of his own songwriting, but of, it's a question of his presentation and stage presence. Now, I, I wrote Joe Hill for John because I love John, and I didn't consider anyone else. But I will say, I think there are actually few musicians who have the storytelling ability. You know, John's a master storyteller. He's always at the Jonesboro Storytelling Festival. And he has a very finely honed, and to some extent theatrical, stage presence. So when John plays and sings a humorous song that he's created, he enacts it. He embodies it. He incorporates it. And so that was part of what made me think that, yeah, he could actually carry on a one-person show. You know, you have to memorize 90 minutes of 
story and song. You have to be in motion. You have to figure out when to take the guitar off your prison bed and put it on the floor. And I think that that's, that's one of John's extraordinary strengths. And in that sense, I think he is the Joe Hill of our time. Hmm. I just hope he... You know, lives a lot longer. Yeah, doesn't well, come to the same. And I've, I've told him, be a little careful when you get to Utah. Let's let's. let's well, and let's Utah, hope, yes. Utah has been very a whole lot kinder to me than yeah. they were to Joe Hill. <laughs> right. But you know, Joe Hill, Joe Hill really was part of a long chain of people who understood that if you if you can't laugh through. The, the terrible times you're going to lose. You you can't be in the trenches 24 hours a day. You know you, you've got you've got to be able to uh, let off some steam. I mean, Woody Guthrie was brilliant at that. You had Tom Lehrer, who you know who had a more Broadway background, but good heavens, look at Joe Hill. He wasn't writing f- songs based on folk songs. He was he was basing songs more often on vaudeville and tin pan alley and hymns as we just heard um so he was taking things that had backstories as well and part of the power of a song like the preacher and the slave was not only that it was using the melody uh of the song itself and had a lot of the same you know lyrical uh mechanics, but also that it was at the same time ridiculing what the song was saying. Mm-hmm. If you that, just, you know, forget about life on this earth, um, you know, only worry about what's happening beyond. And that's frankly a ploy that the bosses were using back then mm. as well, which is why they used organ and, and make no, make no mistake about it. They were using Salvation Army. So, you know, they were they were just as abused as, as the IWW workers were. If you just joined us, we're talking about Joe Hill, labor icon, a songwriter for the Industrial Workers of the World, or Wobblies. John McCutcheon's out with a new album, Joe Hill's Last Will. That, in turn, grew out of a one-man play of the same name, written by Cy Khan. We have Cy Khan and John McCutcheon with us. We're hearing the music of uh, Joe Hill and uh, you're welcome to join us here. You can join us at 1-800-826-1495 or upraxis at gmail.com. We can join us on Twitter as well. I want to hear uh, the next song up, uh, Casey Jones, uh, John McCutcheon. Uh, why don't you tell us first about the, about the Wobblies, IWW. Uh, this was uh, viewed as the most radical union, very feared union. Well, it probably wasn't the most radical union, but it was uh, it, uh, it was one that had a very different approach than, uh, well, the paradigm of labor unions that have survived to this day. Um, Most people's familiarity, let me put it in today's terms. On an airline, for instance, there are numerous different unions if if the airline is lucky enough to have a union at all. The pilots will belong to one union. The mechanics will belong to a different union. A, the flight attendants will belong to another union still, the gate agents and the ticket takers and the people who check, you know, who take the baggage. That's another union altogether. So you have four or five different unions working in a single workplace, all paid from the same checkbook. Uh, the industrial workers of the world believe that everybody should belong to one big union. That way, if the pilots go out on strike, uh, you know, the... Or let, let's be more realistic. If the flight attendants went out on strike, they could hire other flight attendants, and the, and the pilots could keep flying the planes. So one of the things that uh, the IWW believed is everybody should belong to one union, so there wouldn't be this pitting one worker against another, especially in the same workplace. Hence, industrial. Union. And an example of an industrial union would be if everybody who works for an airline belonged to a single union, rather than the different trade unions. So that's what this song, Casey Jones, is about. This is based on a real strike back in 1911 when the shop workers down in Southern California who work for the uh, Southern Pacific Railroad, the SP line, as it's referred to in this song, went out on strike, but the uh, boilermen and the engineers and the brakemen, all of whom belonged to different unions, kept the trains running. And uh, so 
the image of Casey Jones. This didn't really happen in real life. Casey Jones was a, was a different character, but a well-known character. And this song was well-known. Uh, so uh, Joe Hill messed with the words, created a different story, and had uh, followed this, uh, what he called the Union Scab, all the way to heaven and then down to hell. So this is Casey Jones. All right, let's hear this. Workers on the SP line to strike sent out a call. The Casey Jones, the engineer, he wouldn't strike at all. His boiler was leaking, his driver's on the bum. His engine and its bearings, they were all out of plumb. Casey Jones kept his junk pile running. Casey Jones was working double time. Casey Jones, he got a wooden medal for being good and faithful on the SP line. said to Casey, won't you help us with this strike? But Casey said, let me alone, you better take a hike. Ran his wheezy engine right off the wheezy track. Casey hit the river with an awful smack. Casey Jones hit the river bottom. Casey Jones broke his blooming spine. Casey Jones was an Angelino. He took a trip to heaven on the SP line. Casey got to heaven right up to the pearly gate. He said, I'm Casey Jones, the guy that pulled the SP freight. He just the man said, Peter, our musicians on strike. You can get a job as Kevin anytime you like. Casey Jones. Got a job in heaven. Casey Jones. Doing mighty fine. Casey Jones. When scabbing on the angels, just like he scabbed for workers on the SP line. got together and they said it wasn't fair for Casey Jones to go around and scabbing everywhere. The Angels Union number 23, they sure were there. They promptly fired Casey down the golden stair. Casey Jones. He went to hell a-flying. Casey Jones. The devil said, oh, fine. Casey Jones. Get busy shoveling sulfur. That's what you get for scabbing on the SP line. Song called Casey Jones by uh, Joe Hill. We're talking about Joe Hill today. Uh, that's performed by John McCutcheon. We're also talking with uh, Cy Khan. Uh, John McCutcheon, that's uh, beautiful music set to a Western swing. There I don't, was that. That was your idea, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. I I had I actually took a lot of liberty uh, with this music. Um, the the Rebel Girl, for instance, on this album has always been performed as a, a foot-stomping rally song, and I, thanks to Sai's play, started to consider that there was actually a love story there between uh, Joe Hill and Elizabeth Gurley Flynn, the, uh, who he called the Rebel Girl, and for whom he wrote that song while he was in prison in Salt Lake City. Uh, so I did it like a love song. Very different. So with this one, it just... You know, I tried it as a bluegrass song. I've tried it actually as a big band song. And this is what felt the easiest. Yeah. And, uh, and there was nothing else like this on the album, so I thought it'd be fun. 
seems like a and this is and, and that's that was part of my it was part of what I wanted to do with yeah. this album. I wanted to make it musically fun, mm-hmm. and um, because you know, with with a song, you have so many moving parts happening. You have what the lyrics are saying to you, what the music is doing to you, what it's eliciting from you emotionally. In the case of Joe Hill songs, what song it's hearkening back to that's making you think about, oh, the sweet by and by, or, um, you know, are you washing the blood of the lamb, or this song, Casey Jones, which was popular in the late 1800s. Um, And then you've got, uh, you know, sort of the some of its parts. So I was, uh, you can get away with saying things in a song that you could never get away with in a speech or in a conversation or in an article. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hill was, Hill was remarkable at that. And, uh, I'm lucky enough to be surrounded by terrific musicians who, um, I give them all the credit for, for the performances here. May have been my idea, but they had to pull it off. So I kind of wonder the the message of the song here that, that, that took me back to some of my uh, you know ancestry. My my grandfather worked for the railroad, big union guy. My father, though he got a college degree, went into civil service, worked for the federal government. Was always you know taught us you you know scab was a <laughs> very powerful word in my family. I don't know if it holds the same power today. Well, Tom, I think the the truth is that it doesn't that that most of the uh, lexicon of labor, the vocabulary that people used 100 years ago, and in, in fact, even you know, even uh, 30 or 40 years ago, John and I met on a picket line in Harlan County, Kentucky, the famous Bloody Harlan of, of, of legends and, uh, during something called the Brookside Strike in 1973 or 1974. And I, you know, when I grew up, a union was a natural part of life. And most workers would never consider working without a union and without the protection that the union offers if they were lucky enough to be able to have a union. So it was it was West Virginia, for example, where where I did a lot of work with the United Mine Workers of America and you know John has been active in all of these things. West West Virginia was forty nine percent unionized. And that's inconceivable today. So I think we have had a cultural shift and a political shift to the huge disadvantage workers. And, and by workers, I, I don't mean, you know, this, this sort of the traditional um, industrial working class that Joe Hill is doing, but I mean, you know, teachers and nurses and anybody, people who work in Walmart, the, the, the fact that, we, that most workers no longer have legal representation by an organization that has their self-interest only at heart, and that is called a union, because it unites people to have the power of many, the power of people, against the power of concentrated wealth, represented by today's multinational corporations. So, yeah, most people have no idea what a scab is or, or what a grievous procedure is, what arbitration is, all the things that would have been second nature to the average nurse or plumber 40 or 50 years ago. And this has to do with the, <laughs> I think one of the great ironies of life today is the rich and the right wing talking about people, working people have declared a class war on us. There is a class war going on in the United States today, but it is, it is not war by the working classes. It is a war on everyday people by the extraordinarily concentrated, well, something like 400 individuals own half of everything that is that is worth owning in the entire world. And it, to me, this is criminal. The fact that people have been driven down from a standard of living that allowed people like me and John to go to college, to have you know, rich, full lives, to, uh, and to have the public support that allowed us to do that. That's yesterday. That is history. And part of what John and I are trying to do in Joe Hill's last will, both the the musical that he'll be bringing around the country in June and, and throughout the coming years, and in this really amazing record in which he makes Joe Hill a modern artist, a contemporary artist. We are trying to remind people that it's worth standing up against authority, that it's worth standing up against power, and that we have a right 
to a decent life just because we're here. And so I think that's very much the message of Joe Hill's last will is, no, don't you have a right to the tree of life? That's a song written by Guy Haraway, a wonderful teacher of all of us, the man who taught we should overcome to the civil rights movement, who died a week ago. Don't we have a right to the tree of life, all of us? Let's uh, take another break. When we come back, I want to get into uh, the events in Utah. Of course, this is, this is why it's famous in, in this connection with Utah. Um, Joe Hill was accused of uh, two murders in the Salt Lake City area. He was convicted in a controversial trial and executed. Uh, and we'll also hear uh, another song, the title song from the from the album and the play, Joe Hill's Last Will. Uh, following break. Congratulations to Maria Guadarrama. USU graduate and College of Humanities and Social Sciences valedictorian for her honor of a 2015 Humanity in Action Fellowship Award. The highly competitive award is granted to students according to academic standing, active civic participation in human rights issues, and outstanding recommendations. UPR congratulates Maria Guadarrama for her honor of a 2015 Humanity in Action Fellowship Award. Have you heard car talk lately? And the noise is coming from... (laughs) (laughs) Janet, I don't know where the noise is coming from. Boy, it sounded... You know? What about this for an idea, though? Yeah, do you have any ideas? Every problem may not have a solution. But it's always worth a couple of laughs. Join us this week for the best of car talk. Saturday morning at 10 on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. My guests are folk musician John McCutcheon, musician and playwright to Cy Khan. And we're talking about Joe Hill. And uh, his songs are featured on John McCutcheon's latest album. It's called Joe Hill's Last Will. And that, in turn, is based on a one-man play by Cy Khan of the same name. And uh, now the last segment, I want to get into the events in uh, Utah. Uh, Joe Hill uh, has become uh, famous as a... Uh, songwriter for the International Workers of the World, the Wobblies. He's arrived in Utah, I believe, working in the copper mines in, uh, in Park City. And uh, in 1914, a couple of murders in Salt Lake City. John Morrison, Salt Lake City area grocer and former policeman, and his son were shot and killed by two men. And that same evening, Joe Hill arrived at a doctor's office with a gunshot wound, briefly mentioning a fight over a woman. So uh, and this, this proceeds uh, to, to trial and eventually execution. Uh, John, I wonder if you'd take up the story in brief there. Well, yeah, the, the trial was, it was like a, a country song, The Long Black Veil, for your listeners who are familiar with that. He claims uh, that he was uh, involved in a shooting over a woman, but he refused to say who that woman is and um, is subsequently convicted, and despite uh, the the President uh, Woodrow Wilson and the ambassador from Sweden trying to intercede on his behalf, he was executed. Now, I think what Cy was starting to talk about is it's really impossible to say whether he actually committed this crime. And we don't really set out to say that or solve that mystery in the play, and I should I should add because we are talking on Utah Public Radio that that the play is going to be performed in Salt Lake City on the anniversary of Joe Hill's execution. I see coming November nineteenth. Okay. Um, so in the in he was in prison from early nineteen fourteen to almost the end of nineteen fifteen, so nearly two years. He wrote lots of songs while he was in there, many of which are on this album. Because he wasn't traveling around, people would write to him and say, could you write something about this? And he would, he would respond in kind. But this is final piece, well, of course, and it, it was his last will, which he handed through the bars at about, you know, they say at about 10 p.m. before the execution, which was around 5 the following morning. Um, and he never wrote a melody for it. It was simply a prose piece, which I have heard repeatedly through the years. Uh, and I thought, a uh, hundred years after its composition, and especially for this album, that 
I would write a, a melody for. So it's really the only melody on the album that either Joe did not write or did not borrow from a from a popular piece of music. So this is this is my lone contribution <laughs> uh, compositionally to the album. Well, let's hear I this. I couldn't resist trying this one out. Oh, oh, oh let's hear how it uh, turns out. To Joe Hill's last will. These are Joe Hill's words. And uh, this is his final piece. This is written in prison uh, shortly before his execution, which happened in Utah. Uh, and uh, the melody here is by John McCutcheon. John McCutcheon singing uh, the words of Joe Hill. That's uh, Joe Hill's last will. Joe Hill in, in prison awaiting execution. That's uh, those are his, uh, that's his final song. That's, uh, that's that's beautiful. John McCutcheon, beautiful melody, appropriate I think for the for the words. Well, thank you. I wonder, uh, Sycon. Uh, hopefully, we've got your phone issues uh, resolved. Um, almost immediately, understand uh, Joe Hill became a labor martyr. Right, his in. in Purposely on the union's part, so his ashes were spread to, I, I guess, what every chapter of IWW. Yeah, and, and around the world. Now he's he's. Is there a more specific question there, Tom? I think I guess you off. I apologize. No, go ahead. I think basically Joe Hill is known around the world, and much better in other parts of the world than he is in this country. And what John McCutcheon and I hope is it through his performances in this country and around the world that we will make Joe Hill not a deceased martyr, but a living presence for all of us. And uh, John McCutcheon, just have a couple minutes left. What 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 is... What's, what's really been interesting Go ahead. to me since the release of this album is, is how many young people will come up to me and say, I didn't know anything about this guy. And wait a minute, they were still dealing with this stuff a hundred years ago. Um, and uh, so hopefully there'll be some young Joe Hills out there as well who will pick up the torch and the guitar and uh, and the pen and and prove that the, the pen is mightier than the sword. Mm-hmm. 
We're just about out of time, and I want to go out to with a list of a bit of a song here. But uh, uh, tell me, um, John McCutcheon. Uh, so this will be uh, Joe Hill's last will be performed in what Salt Lake City, November of this year. Yes, uh, yes. Um, the the hundredth anniversary of Joe Hill's death is November nineteenth, and we're working with a, a number of organizations in the Salt Lake City area to uh, to help make this happen. It's you know from the very first time I ever thought about doing this play, uh, the first thing I said to Sai is November nineteenth, two thousand fifteen. We are in Salt Lake City. Um, as, as a tribute, as a, a jumping off point, as, a, um, as an inspiration. So it's, uh, it's holy ground as far as people like Cy and I and many other people are concerned. So to be at that place at that time is, um, is an honor. So I'm really looking forward to it. We'll look forward to that. We're out of time here. Uh, uh, thanks to uh, Cy Khan. Thank you so much for coming on with us. Hey, Tom, thank you so much for having us on and uh, thanks for being Utah Public Radio. It's wonderful to have something that belongs to all of us. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. John McCutcheon, thank you so much. Uh, it's been so great to be here and uh, thanks to you and thanks to Utah Public Radio and to the people who support it. And uh, I wonder if you'd give us the 22nd, just a very brief uh, setup for uh, Let's Go Out with the Rebel Girl. Um, this is well. Joe I think I did a little bit of that before. This okay. was a, a song that actually Joe Hill wrote the melody and the lyrics. Though uh, you know the lyrics a hundred years ago were you know a little anachronistic. So the great Hazel Dickens did a rewrite of these lyrics to sort of modernize them, and it's her her lyrics rewrite that I use. This is the Rebel Girl. Okay, the Rebel Girl will go out with this. Uh, this is from John McCutcheon's latest album, Joe Hill's Last Will. It's based in turn on a one-man play by Cy Khan uh, of the same name. And uh, thanks for listening today. By the way, we're going to talk about uh, the uh, higher education and a very interesting story of Deep Springs College with uh, Jackson Newell and Ross Peterson. That's tomorrow. Let's hear a bit going out of the Rebel Girl by Joe Hill. Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 Logan, KUSK HD1 Vernal, KUSL HD1 Richfield, KUST HD1 Moab, KCEU Price, and KUSU FM HD1 Logan.